Welcome to the Creative Industry Insight Podcast, a podcast that looks at various roles in the creative world. I'm your host, Bobby. Today's guest, stunt coordinator Tim Ulick, joins us to talk about their work on Everything Everywhere All at Once. Please be warned, there are heavy spoilers in this episode. So make yourself comfortable as we jump into the conversation with Tim. Hi, Tim. Thank you for joining me today. Hi, Rob. Thanks for having me. Now, I'm very excited to talk about everything, everywhere, all at once. It's just this is one of the this is one of the sort of uh, episodes of trying to one of the films where I wanted to get as many people on as possible. And I'm really happy that you managed to reach out to me and say, yeah, let's do it. And yeah, I'm really excited to be talking about the stunts in the film. And yeah, it's just insane. The positive reaction that you see online everywhere about it. And that must feel quite cool as well. Seeing people just going crazy for the film box office. There's no drop. I think it's up, even some weeks it goes higher and just everybody just loves it. Yeah. Thank you. It's been, been very exciting for all of us. And, you know, I, I'll speak for myself that it's been a bit overwhelming as well. Just we, for, for our end, for the stunt team, you know, we're, we wrapped, we wrapped up our, our business in 2020. So it's been a couple of years since we left our work on this show and, and having it come out now just seems like such beautifully perfect timing and the amazing, the amazing response that, that everybody's been, been giving to this, this film has just been wonderful and we're, we're all very excited about it. Mm, I think um, I've seen the film twice now and it's funny seeing it once, seeing it once and then researching everything. And actually when you watch it the second time, you start spotting people just like for yourself, example, seeing you as the police officer in the laundromat when uh, Evelyn signs a divorce for the New Year's party and they're just being like, hey, that's Tim. And then seeing seeing Andy and Brian uh, <laughs> during this uh, with their fight scenes and when they're using uh, objects for uh, specific purposes. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, are we going to spoil that one? <laughs> I think that will come later because that's the question right. that I'm curious about. Like, curious might not be the right word because, but it's more, <laughs> uh, I guess, in the planning process and where it comes to reading on s- how it reads on a script to how you plan for it and execute it, I guess. But I guess we should start at the beginning is, how did this project come about for you? I'm guessing it was something that as soon as you read it, you were in or I, I've seen as well that you've worked with Daniel so was it a case that as soon as you saw the number pop up on the phone they called you up saying we've got a project were you just like yeah I'm in no problem yeah that is that's that's my my standard operating procedure for anything that Daniels do as soon as they call I will do everything and uh, that I can to be available for them that uh, Daniel Shiner and Daniel Kwan and their producer Jonathan Wong just they've built this community they built this community and this family over the past decade uh, with, with they, they've turned into their film crew and it's they 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 create such a, a just a wonderful set experience that I don't know anybody who's been on their sets that doesn't just dream of 
of coming back. So all, all of us who worked on this movie and everything else that they've, they've directed over the past decade, all we want to do is just keep on working together and, and, and keep this train going. So, yeah. So as soon as, as soon as I heard that they had another movie in the pipeline that they were developing. And when I heard it was an action movie, I was super excited about it and I was in for sure. And then when I read the script, it was amazing. And there were so many, so many fun opportunities to create these, these unique action sequences in a style that really, that really meant a lot to me and that I, that really resonated with me. I, you know, I like grew up just consuming these classic Hong Kong cinema martial arts films. So I was really excited to, to work in within that that style uh yeah but i've been working with those guys for for about 10 years now so we have a have a relationship a very deep relationship you know they came to my bachelor party we're friends <laughs> but um i started working with them in uh, on um the first thing i did with them was a music video for battles called my machine a song called my machines and they wanted somebody to they wanted a, a stunt performer a stunt actor to basically fall down an escalator for the entire music have you seen this music video i have not but i will have a look at it because the idea of for the escalator is probably like one of the biggest fears of being like sucked underneath or falling down because it has like that serrated sort of edge and everything oh man you make it it's it's like like giving me chills yeah So the concept that they came up with for that was they, it was a, all in a one shot thing. They used a motion control camera so they could break it up into pieces, but still it was essentially played out as one, one take this performer, this, you know, guy going up the up escalator and then falling down at the top and the entire song, just falling down the escalator, riding up a little ways, falling down. Um, and then, you know, the, the band comes in and plays on the other escalator as well. And when I got a call for this, the stunt coordinator called me for it, told me the, the concept of it. And I said, uh, I immediately said, no, thank you. I'm not available. Uh, I was working on something else. And that just sounded, just sounded horrible. <laughs> just, you know, doing a, a shoot of just all falling down an escalator. And they said, okay, um, all right. And left it at that. And then about a week later, I got a phone call from the stunt coordinator again saying, hey, listen, so I sent them your picture anyways, and you're the only one that they want to do this. So you have to do it. Can you please come and do it? Can you please come and do it? And I was I was fight coordinating another show at the time. So I was already busy. The stunt coordinator sent me some of their other music videos and short films, and I watched them. And as soon as I saw what they were doing and the, and the way that they, they, the aesthetic that they created, uh, I, I was in. So I went from fight coordinating this other movie all day long and went straight to their set. It was a 13 hour long night shoot of me falling down an escalator. And I went through, I think I went through four leather jackets and six pairs of pants because they just kept getting shredded by the, by the escalator teeth. I just had to go through a bunch of wardrobe changes because everything was getting destroyed. And I was a giant bruise at the end of it for about a week but um, that was where my relationship with them started and ever since then they everything that they would do they'd call me and even if I was working on some other big budget show I most of the time would leave to go and work for them uh, whatever they were doing it didn't matter I'm 
I'm a huge fan and I love the, the work that they create and I love the, the worlds that they create and I love the people that they bring together. So anytime they call me, uh, I'm, I'm their guy. I'm ready to go. That's great. That's great to hear. To have sit here about having such an important collaboration and uh, working together. And then it also probably helps on a film like this where there is a lot of stunts involved that are not just there for the sake of it, but to push the story along. You know, there's action sequences for the sake of action sequences, there's setups and payoffs and everything, which I think you need someone to trust. I was reading somewhere as well in like when you were creating the stunts and the action sequences films is that you would sit with the Daniels and they would basically perform it out with you to show you what they sort of wanted. Now I'm guessing this happens in the this happens in the previous period where you're basically sort of breaking down each sequence and seeing what how it's going to sort of basically planning it before shooting it. How would you break down each sort of each uh, sequence uh, in the film and where do you begin when you're reading it on the screen? Do you get do you visualize it first and then start writing notes? Or do you sort of move around yourself and sort of try act out what's on the page? That's a great question. You know, there's really a, there's an evolution to it for, for any, any script I read, any action sequence I read, I have a, you know, it's important to me to write down my, my first, my first thoughts, because oftentimes I get a very distinct visualization of, of certain moments, maybe not the whole thing, but certain moments, key moments that, that I, that I want to hit and, and aim for in those sequences. But then it definitely evolves, you know, we had these, these great fight choreographers, Andy Lee and Brian Lee, who choreographed the, particularly the, the sort of higher concept um, Hong Kong style martial arts sequences with a, an evolved flavor to them. Um, and there was a huge collaboration there between them and myself and the directors. And you know that, that evolved all the way up until we got there to film. But you know, we were very, this was a, this isn't, it was an independent film, right? Like we, we didn't have the massive resources that you would get on, on a, your typical Hollywood action film. So we had to be very diligent about planning and preparing and knowing exactly what we were trying to get with, with each moment and each sequence before we got there. A lot of these fights were filmed in, in one day, which is crazy even to think about now because you know most of the time you'd need days if not weeks to to do to do action sequences on this scale and then you would come back and clean up with second unit work as well but um, but you know I, I really put a lot of that to the the amount of preparation and planning that we put in leading up to filming so so we knew exactly what our our goals were and what we needed to get because I saw that as well when you're mentioning about you have one day to shoot certain action sequences. I think I read as well the first first major action sequence of the fanny pack scene, which I'll get onto very shortly. I was reading that was shot in one day, and I've worked on film sets where they have a second unit specifically just for stunt sequences, where they would spend to do half a page. They'd spend five days doing, and yeah. but then to see this sort of action sequence that plays out in a good few minutes. It's just insane. I just couldn't believe what I was reading with that. Then with 
having such a short time to shoot, how much more intense is your planning for something like that? And especially when you have the scene where your actor is in 90% of it. I think they were saying, I, I saw a video earlier on the Insider where I think there was just one scene where they did a face swap with... Um, uh, with Key. With Key. Thank you. Sorry, the name was... Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Thank you. I'm gonna edit that bit out. Uh, they did a face. <laughs> <laughs> they had a face swap with Key, where it was just one scene. Where I think it was uh, Andy. Yeah, I think it was. Uh, yeah, it was Andy. Who they face swap with with Key, and it was just where he does the sort of slide and flip um, against Brian uh, in the scene, and it's just. I don't know, but your mind is slightly, well, I wouldn't say slightly, it is blown by how much the actor gets involved as well with the scene. And just, this was all done in one day. Like, I'm sorry, yeah. I'm still, it's like, that, it, it makes me lose, uh, lost for words in a way. In a way. It's, it's um, part of me is hesitant to <laughs> say that we, we did some of these fights and some of these action sequences in a day because I'm, 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 I'm afraid that I'm going to get called from, from somebody else expecting that that is possible all the time. It's, it's not, this is a, a unique scenario. This crew has been working together for over a decade. Now we all have a, a an understanding and a shorthand with each other. And we understand the Daniel's workflow and we understand how how to work with each other and, and get things done effective, effectively and efficiently and quickly. But with that, a big part of making that possible was all of the actors, all of the performers in these sequences have experience, have a background in, in doing action sequences like this, right? I mean, obviously we all know Michelle Yeoh's background, or at least I, I would expect that everyone would at this point. She's certainly a, a legend um, in that regard. And Key has a, a, an extensive martial arts background as well and has worked with stunt teams before. And just speaking on the fanny pack fight in particular, he, we had him coming in every day for, for weeks. I think, we had about, I think we had about three weeks with him where we were training with him every single day. And he wanted it, man. I mean, that guy, he would come in and he worked so hard. He worked so hard to get all those movements down. The time that we would have allotted with him to train with him, he, he was all in. He would, he would, he was always ready to go always early, um, always warmed up before we started. He would work with us during our allotted time. And as soon as that time was over and we had to move on to something else, he most of the time would stick around and would be off in the corner of the rehearsal hall, practicing with his fanny pack, practicing those movements, just working on his own. And then at the end of the day, he would take his props home and he would train with them at home. And I knew he was training at home because he would show up the next day better than he was the previous day. And that kind of commitment and that, that kind of commitment is what made it possible to film that fight the way that it was filmed. If, if we didn't have that kind of time with him and if we didn't have that commitment from him, there would have been a lot more stunt doubles and a lot more quicker cuts, but that's not, that, that was not the directive from the directors. That's not what we were going for. We wanted to, to shoot, you know, I, we wanted to, to build as many big pieces for these action sequences as possible to shoot them 
in as the, in as big of pieces as we could um, to tell those stories like that and really see the see the actors faces see that they were doing it and then even with the other performers that came in uh, all the other people in that fanny pack fight sequence they're all stunt people who have acting experience so you know it was a big and a big challenge of that was we wanted we needed people there who who could act we needed people there who could perform these uh, very demanding action sequences with some you know, some big reactions and wrecks in them. Um, I mean, we were smashing people through tables. We did, there was a, you know, a big uh, hand pull wire gag into the cubicles. And then the last, the final, the final reaction in that fight sequence, Narayan Cabral's scorpion, where he gets the clip of the fanny pack stuck in his nose. And he's, he goes from standing to inverted in a snap, finding people who could, who could perform these movements is challenging enough, but the directors didn't want a bunch of people who looked like stunt people in, in, in these action sequences. They wanted people who they wanted, yeah, they wanted, they had a very specific idea of the, the look of the performers that they wanted. So, you know, it, it, we did a, a very deep dive into the, the casting of all of those roles as well to make sure that we could find people who, you know, didn't look like they were they could be Jason Statham's stunt double um <laughs> who actually look like they could work at secure as security in an IRS building and and could still do these very challenging movements and perform them and and sell all the reactions and sell the acting beats as well you kind of answered one of my questions that I've had written down about how important it was to build your team which is like which is great cuz it, it does you, you mentioned about getting the correct people in that it's not just about, you know, as you said, getting Jason Statham's stunt double and Jason Momoa's and everything and getting all these sort of absolute uh, towers of human beings to look like they're just out of place um, in the film. But I think as well, when you're mentioning about getting people together and just getting them, because I guess stunt work is in a weird way, like dancing that you're sort of getting everything to the beats and making sure that you're, all in time with one another because if it is if you're not somebody might get hit by mistake or somebody might get hurt and so on and so forth but but what's cool as well is like hearing like the dedication that people have to wanting to make sure that the stunt went right and the idea like it's not just I think in this film it's not just normal fight it is it is kung fu fighting but there's just a twist to it in terms of the items used as weapons, the everyday items that people have. So you have like the dad fanny pack, the keyboards, the all the miscellaneous sort of items that you would see in an office, which kind of leads to my next question as well. It's like, how do you, how do you sort of switch from in a normal film where people might be using swords, lightsabers or bat- batons to then trying to build build these stunts and fights and everything towards normal everyday items and then on top of that leading back to the beginning the items such as like a butt plug trophy or a baton that people have to use (laughs) in uh non-conventional ways should we say well you know that's it's a slight adjustment really because i mean look this is what you're saying, what you're talking about here, the the juxtaposition of these seemingly innocuous objects 
like a fanny pack or or Michelle's pinky later on using her pinky to to just annihilate the verse jumpers using these these everyday objects that don't really seem to carry much weight for an audience as as a, a weapon to be used in a fight like that juxtaposition of using those and then putting just brutal reactions on the other end of them that that kind of storytelling is really exciting to me um, and that was one of the things that just jumped off the page the first time I read it and got me so excited about it. There's there's a humor there. There's a, a, a there's comedic value to that, where you're taking these things and and creating devastation with them, right? So, it's not really you know if you had if 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 Key had a ball and chain or a whip chain or nunchucks in his hand when he was doing that fight, all of those reactions and like all of the devastation created in that fight sequence would make sense and would be expected. But when you have the fanny pack being used to do all these things, it it kind of throws the audience off and it, it defies your expectations and defies them in a way that brings such joy and delight. And I've seen the movie four times with, uh, with the full audience and just listening to the reaction and the response from the audiences seeing seeing this these innocuous objects cause this brutal devastation to all these people it's it's fun it's fun and it's funny <laughs> and yeah I, I i it's it's really exciting to me that was one of the things that really really i really loved about about the script and and um excited me about creating these action sequences i think as well with the creativity of what's on the page to then put pulling it off is the impressive and just funny part as well and I guess at one point, because stunts in films or they're usually quite serious, quite serious moments for characters. And this is where they're sort of, in, especially in this film, this is a, show, this is a way where, where the characters, what, what they're made of, but they're stunned in such a way where that sort of audience reaction of it all as well plays into it. And how, how would you react if you're just seeing somebody ground you know richly just pound themselves into a butt plug or the way <laughs> <laughs> there's no other way around that or yeah. even when you see jamie lee curtis literally in the air about to fling herself into evelyn which is like another scene as well where i was watching behind the scenes where they had the wires and everything which is very uh, somebody mentioned very much like the kung fu kung fu film style where they have the thin wires i guess now with vfx it's the wires are a bit thick they're thicker for safety and they can take those out but even the use of wiring in this film where the yeah, the jamie lee curtis scene where she's about to knee drop um michelle yao's character or even when michelle yao is fighting people with uh, with just her pinky and showing the truth you know the incredible strength of what the finger a uh, pink you know a pinky finger has because usually I think now it clicks in my head using a pinky is a genius idea because you make pinky promises which are usually the strongest bond and oh, I never fun. thought about it like that so, so that so now <laughs> it's just clicked I'm gonna make note of that but like yeah that I guess the pinky is like the strength and the bond that people create with it and with why when it comes to wire work how do you plan and execute it 
because when you're based in a location as well, I guess those are the sort of variables you need to take into consider and how are you going to be able to rig the set for the actors? That was a big challenge in this space that we were in. We shot the entire thing in this building, save for about a week of location work, I want to say it was about a week, but most of the time we were in, we were, you know, all the sets were, were either practical or built in the cafeteria of this old banking building that had been shut down and, you know, stands empty. So we had all of our offices in there and all of our sets in there, which really, I attribute the, the, the fact that we were able to do all of these things. A, a significant part of that is, is that, you know, it's the preparation that I mentioned earlier, but being all in the same place was such a key, a key aspect to pulling this off, you know, for speaking yeah, as a stunt coordinator, I could be in our rehearsal hall overseeing the next day's action sequence. And then within one minute, I could be on set overseeing today's action sequence. And uh, I, you know, you, you could make it anywhere in that building within one or two minutes. So that, that really being all, all contained like that was very helpful. But the hard part about it was for the wire, for the wire stuff that we were doing, which is a, a huge part of this, the, the style of action that we were going for. And I would have loved to have done a lot more, but just given the time that we had, you know, we had to be very, very diligent about planning when and where we were going to be doing, doing those, those wire gags. And we had to be very creative about it too. Um, I had a, just a fantastic rigging team. My business partner and key rigger, Colin Fullenweider was leading that rigging team. Um, and he is, he is one of the, the greatest living stuntman and stuntmen in my opinion. And he's just incredibly creative when it comes to building wire gags. And we had to figure out ways of creatively putting wire systems into this building that just had no overhead space, just didn't have the, the proper space to do it. So we would be going up into the ceiling of this practical building, taking out all the ceiling tiles, finding structural beams and then, you know, supporting them with additional truss and speed rail to make sure that they were, they were strong enough to support the people that we were lifting up and dropping down in, in various cases. So that was a big challenge. And uh, like I said, I would have loved to have done a lot more, but uh, we had to be very, very picky about when and where we were going to be using the wire, the wires to ex either accentuate the action or the reactions or, or, or as key storytelling points, like Jamie Lee Curtis flying down the stairwell <laughs> about to knee Michelle in the face. I think that image would never leave me, just the sort of slow motion of it all coming down. That's kind of popped in my head, just that idea. With, when, with wire work and the use of slow motion in film, does that affect wire work or do you, do you just keep doing it in the, in, as does the wires keep going the same as usual? And it's just the camera that picks up differently. That's a great question. It doesn't change the way that we, we execute the, the stunt on the, on the rigging side of things. But when the camera's picking everything up in slow motion on the performance side of things, you have to be very, very crisp and specific. You know, you're shooting at a much higher frame rate. You're seeing a lot more of that moving image. Whereas if you're shooting in, you know, a, like a lot of kind of your standard Hollywood action films shoot at a much lower 
frame rate for the, the fights. So, you know, everything moves a little bit quicker and you even cut frames out at certain points to make it look a little bit more aggressive and fast. And you could, that, that helps to, to hide imperfections sometimes, but yeah, if you're shooting at a higher frame rate with a slow motion, it really picks up everything. So you have to be very specific about your physicality and the performance of it. So I was very picky about the body position for that that move. There was for the the very wide shot of it. That was a stunt double doing it. I just I couldn't safely have Jamie, look. Jamie wanted to do everything herself. I think having Michelle as number one on the call sheet really raised the bar for everyone. Everyone was game and wanted to, wanted to do everything themselves. But I couldn't I couldn't safely have Jamie doing that wide the wide shot of that. So we did have a stunt double doing that. And I was so, so picky. We, we just rehearsed it into the ground. And I was so picky about the, the body position on that. And then we had Jamie come in um, and she did a lot of that as well. We had her up up there. I mean, that was one of the first, that was the first week of filming. And we had Jamie Lee Curtis, who's just an icon in, in um, the movie industry, hanging in this <laughs> stairwell. And, you know, she, she really, she was such an, an apt an apt pupil, I guess. <laughs> like she, she was, she was, she wanted to uh, sound, that sounds really, that might sound really bad because uh, she wanted to make sure that it was perfect. And if anything, she was really hard on herself to make sure that she was getting it perfect. And she didn't want to leave until, until she had it down perfectly. And yeah, again, as you know, that, that kind of drive and willingness to, to work through the uncomfortable um, situation of being in a harness that really made made those little moments into big memorable moments in the final edit. I guess with the use of wire work as well, you can say the location work and being on certain sets with creating the limitations. Because there's there's the big scene with the pinky again, where I think it's like it, you're kind of in the center of the building, so that must have been quite difficult knowing where to put wires, knowing that you're in this big courtyard and you can't really hide them or put them somewhere. You would have to probably plan even more meticulously to know where people are going to go and where to sort of hide the wires as well. Yeah, there were a lot of, uh, there was a lot of discussion between myself and and my team about how we were going to do that. Uh, That was, that was the one place where I wanted to bring in some, some bigger equipment to make those reactions much more visceral and bigger, particularly blasting Efka 30 feet into the air with the pinky. But I had, um, I brought in some, some ratchets to do those reactions and figuring out how we were going to rig those was, was a, a significant challenge. And it, it took us some time to wrap our heads around it because there was nothing overhead except for some giant atrium windows that we were specifically told we could not remove. So we had to, again, climb into the ceilings of this building and figure out ways of, of fortifying the pre-existing structure to support some very creative rigging that allowed us to pull those, those that, that sequence in particular off. In my mind, slightly kind of it gets blown by the amount that's the amount of work that will need to go in and sort of the idea of like, you can't remove these windows. So now you have to be even more creative on what you're doing and how, how you're going to 
put everything together I think that is something that people don't see and this sort of the trial I wouldn't say trial and error because if there's an error then obviously <laughs> something bad might happen yeah. but the um I guess the research and health and safety aspect of your job going into everything to make sure that if we're going to do something like this then we need to make sure that we can plan it like that does take a lot into consideration and to make sure that everything can go as smoothly as possible and look as good on screen as well yeah you know that's there's a that's one of the most the most exciting and fun parts of it for me is that research and development period where you know you have this you have this idea you have this concept either it comes from comes from the page it comes from the director or something that i want to pitch to the directors on my own it, it takes time it takes time to try out different ways to to make sure that you're you're serving that story you're telling the story that that action is moving the, the is is developing the character's story arc as well yeah, it's, it, that's one of the more, more exciting things to me is that that research and development period and making sure that it's done safely is obviously massively important. It's the most important thing. Like we're making, we're making movies here. We're making entertainment. I, I want to, it's, it's important. I, I genuinely care about everybody who's coming in to work for me and I care about the entire crew and I want to make sure that everybody's going home to their families safely at the end of the day and the same pieces that they showed up in, uh, <laughs> So, so, you know, sometimes that means figuring out and pitching various camera angles that might not have previously been considered to do something a little bit safer and still get that story told. But yeah, you know, you see the, you, you go and you see these, you see these action sequences um, in any, any action movie and it's exciting and fun. Hopefully it's exciting and fun, but yeah, you really don't think about the the extensive preparation and pre-planning and, you know, there is trial and error that goes into it, but you know, you have to be very diligent about the safety of that as well. You know, we use, we we use, when you first start testing out any of these, these gags, particularly the wire gags, you're putting pads everywhere. You know, you make sure that performers are wearing helmets and protective gear on their body as well. And slowly as everything gets dialed in and you start, feeling safer and safer about it and making sure that you can do this safely. You kind of slowly move away pads from certain places until you get to a point where you do it on set and you're not wearing a helmet and you're wearing body pads where you can. And, you know, you're lucky if you can have a pad to land on for the crash, but uh, yeah, that's, that's kind of how the the whole development um, and process of it goes. So I think um, I remember seeing when I was, this is pre COVID when you could, sort of watch people at work and I know I'm kind of going off the mark as well seeing someone in rig and them releasing the wire and they went backwards into like a big stack of cardboard boxes that was really cool to see because you know it's going to end up somewhere in the movie but also seeing people at work and seeing that it's not just you know cool fighting scenes but also seeing what a rigger does what you know what this other person's doing what what person is uh, sitting by a control desk making sure that they release everything at the same time and making sure that people they know what they're doing extremely important um so that no one gets hurt but i don't want to go too off the beaten track with everything but the 
penultimate question as well. I'm sure there might be one that might pop up. So apologies, it might come off as I'm lying. <laughs> what was your favourite stunt to sort of to to research, develop, and then perform on the day? And is there anything that you would have changed in what you created? Okay, um, that's a great question. I have a there's a couple of stunts that were my my favourite and. Uh, two in particular, and they're they're they are completely outside of the the big action set pieces that we did. So it might come as a surprise to you. The first one was during the uh, the dog fight, the beginning of the dog fight, where Jenny Slate uses her dog to <laughs> to uh, beat beat up Michelle a bit. Do you remember that? It's right before this leading into the butt plug fight. She has the dog and she's swinging yeah, it around. Yeah, she on the swings leash. it. And I think she cuts it with some, she cuts the leash with some scissors or something. And the yeah, dog goes some, flying. Some yeah. Cake, cake cutting tools. Leading into that, you know, they wanted to get into this, this uh, little break room area. We wanted to, we wanted to, we had this old vending machine in there. And, we were, you know, we, they wanted to, we wanted to hit it somehow. And I'm not really sure what anybody else envisioned, but as, as soon as that came up and it might've even been right when I read the script, but I wanted to make that a brutal reaction. Again, the juxtaposition of this tiny dog making Michelle soar through the air and smash into this vending machine. Just, it was hilarious to me. And I really wanted to pitch that and, and, and do that. Uh, as violently as possible. So, um, <laughs> but it was a real vending machine, right? I mean, you know, if if we had a if we were doing a a, a massive a massive action movie, maybe we could have, you know, custom built a padded vending machine and really just stuffed stuffed the stunt double into it. But we had this real vending machine, and it was it was sharp and hard, and all the like little coils inside were real. I mean, it was all real except for the glass. We had a, a big piece of uh, um, candy glass put in there for that. And I really wanted to do it. And it was just looking like it was just a little bit too unsafe to do. And we really, we did a lot of, I went back and forth with my team about it. And we did some tests in the rehearsal hall, measuring out the, the machine and measuring out and, and doing some measurements with our rigs and just repetitive, repetitively put the stunt double into this same spot. We made sure that we were hitting the same mark every time and figured out, okay, yeah, we can do this. We can do it safely. We can make it look just disgustingly brutal and keep the stunt double safe. So that was, I, I love that that gag and I was really excited that we got to do that and I was really excited that the Daniels were um I mean I got a good we got a good laugh out of uh out of both of them when they saw it for the first time I when I sent them some of our tests and pitched that I always know I, I always know when when I when when I got them when I, I see it hear a little <laughs> chuckle out of them <laughs> so it's like all right yeah we're gonna do it so there's that one and then the other one was in the hallway fight where we meet Jobu for the first time, she comes out of the elevator dressed as Elvis with a pig, and there's a bunch of cops in the hallway. That so for that that fight in particular, that was one where the director said, "Okay, let's find some. We want to we, we want to make this like a like just really violent. And if we're going to do something more in in the lines of a, a you know classic Hollywood action movie, this is the sequence for it. So they wanted some like they wanted some you know." kind of John Wick looking stuntmen to play the police officers. So uh, brought in some of my team with, with that look. And there's a moment where Jobu 
jumps on one of the police officers and they he turns into a luchador and flips upside down and pile drives his head into the floor and this was in the script that she she pile drives his head into the floor and we really it's a, such a such a short quick moment i mean it's just like just a split second on the screen but we wanted to see see his head hitting the floor and we also wanted to not break anybody's neck in the process which was a bit more of a challenge than than you might think. So we we tried we researched and developed this for for a while. For this one quick moment, we spent a lot of time trying to figure out how we could safely get this done. We tried doing it in reverse. Um, we tried doing it in slow motion and then speeding up the film. And nothing nothing was really looking right. And uh, I had this. Um, are you familiar with the the, the Bob punching bag? Is that it's is like, that like a human? Yeah, it's like the torso no the head. Yeah, 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 yeah. So I had I had one of those in the rehearsal hall, and my assistant stunt coordinator Dan Brown said, "Hey, what if we put the mask on Bob and slam his head into the ground?" I was like, "Oh my god, yes, let's try that." So we did that, and uh, you know, we had the uh, uh, Stephanie Shu, the actress, and our stuntman Anthony Nanakorpnum on a wire system, and we dropped them as close to the ground as we could, and then did an insert of Bob's head getting smashed into the ground with a stunt double riding it down. And it's such a quick, quick moment. But every time I've seen the, the film in a theater with an audience, it gets such an audible, just like, oh God, it's so visceral. And uh, I, uh, it, it makes me excited every time I hear that gasp. <laughs> <laughs> I, I think that sequence is probably one of the, is, is, is a funny, but also extremely brutal scene in the film because you get the police officers who get shot, who's in the um, outfit, you get the guy who gets piledrived, and then you get Brian slapped in the face with dildos. Mm. Um, <laughs> the yeah. double ended, which is ridiculous, but it's just so, I think there's another, that's a great scene to sort of show the power of Jabaku or Joy as well. When you when yeah. it re- revealed it's Joy, you're like, wow. It's just like, wow. It's just the the brutality of it all. Do you know what? There's something that's actually popped into my head. What what is that's it? Tell me. I want the question that I lost earlier. So I read another interview where you you said Michelle Yao was a very big inspiration in the choice of what you wanted to do and how you got into the industry, and which is. I know there's always that old saying that you, know, you should never meet your heroes and you, you you end up being disappointed. I know I've had like a 50-50 record about with, with that, um, which I'll take. That sounds about, that sounds about right to me, Rob. <laughs> 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 what, I, what I wanted to sort of, my sort of question was, is that when you're, was there any moment where you're sort of starstruck by the idea of like, wow, if I went back in time and, told my younger self that this would happen one they wouldn't believe me but two also working with a legend as well do you get to do you get to learn as well from them from their experience yeah yeah that's a great question I mean really there were there were multiple legends in my eyes on that set uh you know people who I watched at a very, I watched on the big screen at a very influential age and had some pull over me wanting to be a part of the art of cinematic storytelling. James Hong, 
I mean, what a legend. The key, like you know, I he he was he was in you know Goonies and Indiana Jones. Like I mean, I, I watched these movies when I was a little kid and like related to to the characters that he was playing. Jamie Lee Curtis. I've been watching her from her movies from a very influential age. And, you know, when I was, uh, when, when true lies came out and watching her in that whole helicopter sequence, the whole limousine helicopter sequence in the Florida keys, it was just mind blowing and getting to work with her was such an absolute pleasure. And then Michelle, I mean, as far as, as far as me wanting to go down this path of, of um, being in, an action storyteller she was tremendously influential i i um particularly with crouching tiger hidden dragon of all the performers in that film her performance her performances in that just really stuck with me and and it was a a huge her performance in particular and her in particular was a huge huge inspiration for me to to start training martial arts and I wanted to, I wanted to move like that. I wanted to be able to, to perform like that. I wanted to be able to tell stories like that. And, uh, you know, you said that it's kind of a 50, 50 when you, when you meet your legends and heroes, <laughs> whether or not you're disappointed. I think, I think I was very fortunate and lucky. And I'm very grateful that all of those people that I just mentioned were just, just lovely human beings just as legendary in their in in their interactions with everyone on set as they are legends in cinema so yeah it was it was really cool and uh and i tried to i tried to be as cool as i could about about it because it was you know it's kind of it's kind of it was a big deal for me it was a big deal like look i've worked with a lot of a lot of a lot of household name actors and directors have been very fortunate over the 20 years that I've been been working in this industry. But yeah, working with Michelle and Jamie in particular was, I was so excited about that. And they were, they were so lovely. I mean, like, and both of them, like, okay, so I have a, I have a young son. And at the time we were filming the movie, he was, he was about, he turned one while we were making the film. Jamie, she was, I was showing her something on my phone one day and she saw a picture of my son. She's like, is that your, is that your son? I was like, yeah. She's like, oh, okay. She shows up the next day. She's a children's book author. She shows up the next day with a bag with every single children's book that she has written. And each book was, uh, was, she had uh, inscribed a little like note to my son in every single book. And she gave that to me to give to him. And I, I mean, it was just, I brought tears to my eyes. I was so, so touched by that. It was such a, such a thoughtful thing to do. And then Michelle too, when she found out that I had a young son, she showed up, she showed up to work a day or two later with a brand new Ferrari. It was, <laughs> yeah, she bought my son a Ferrari. I mean, it was only small enough that a toddler could drive it, but still. Uh, okay. <laughs> I was just, I was just picturing this this you know your kid could drive this like ah a bit too young oh that's so yeah, cute I'll, I'll drive to the, no, it was so yeah it was, it was so thoughtful and so sweet i mean and just like you know it, the the gift part of it doesn't matter but the like the the thoughtfulness of doing that for for the people that you're working with just i mean it meant so much to me and it was such a special thing especially coming from these people that i revered from a young age and were highly influential in my path to where I am now. That was so cool to hear. Then also that 
they they were so nice to you, but also it's like you can also they, you kind of cheated being like, well, that's my son's birthday gifts, Christmas gifts sorted for the next <laughs> next uh next uh, x amount of years for them. So thanks guys. Well, um, but it's but it, it but even hearing that and just having, I, I think that's always the sort of great thing is when you have actors who are great on set to work with and then offset as well i know like in our society we push people up quite a lot and put them on a pedestal but there's like for their talent but when you hear that they're nice people and everything i guess that gives you a little bit a different sort of perspective and makes it easier as well to work with go in every day knowing that you're going to be with good people around you yeah it's important it's important to me i mean you know you know you work in the industry you spend so much time you spend such a significant portion of your life on uh you know at work when you're working on these movies it's 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 not a it's not a nine to five kind of job it's a it's a all day every day and you're lucky if you get a good night's sleep kind of job you know 12 to 16 hours on set sometimes kind of a job so it's become uh, it's become more and more important to me to work on projects that I really like the people that I'm working with. And that's a big, a big part of the teams that I build as a stunt coordinator. I want to make sure that I'm surrounding myself with people that, you know, have great attitudes and really enjoy being there. And I enjoy being around them. And, uh, you know, it's, it makes such a huge difference. Uh, 1000%. And as you mentioning, you're working 12 to 16 hours and, is these people, you know, become your family and you want to, even though you can't choose your biological family, you want to choose a, a work family to be good and be good to one another and create a great culture surrounding that um, environment. I've got one final question. What's next for you? It's a good question. Uh, I can't talk too much about it right now. Currently, <laughs> I have a um, I fight coordinated Damien Chazelle's new movie, Babylon, that's coming out later this year. Um, I was working under uh, the legendary stunt coordinator, Doug Coleman, on that. I'm very excited for that one. And then I have, I'm currently prepping uh, another show, another A24 show right now that I can't talk too much about. But we're, we're doing some, some very, very unique action in it. It's not an action show, but I have never... I've never seen anything like this done before. I've never read anything like this before. And I'm very excited to, to tackle this one and do some uh, very creative action storytelling in this show. So as soon as I can talk about it, you'll be the first to know, Rob. Oh, thank you very much. Uh, what, what an honor. But it'd be <laughs> also great. It's, it's also gets me excited to keep an eye out for these projects as well when basically unknown title unknown this unknown and then once it comes out or what and everything then it will just click being like okay that's that's the uh, yeah. That you, yeah it's like ah oh, yeah. okay <laughs> i get it now there it is yeah and then yeah get blown away by it as well but yeah that's it sounds really it sounds really good as well and stranger new series stranger things as well recently yeah, released so i'm making my way through that trying to and seeing, seeing, because I know that you did a few uh, episodes of that as well, 
And I did. I did. I coordinated. I was uh, um, supporting the the main stunt coordinator, Hito Koda, on that. He's a big mentor of mine. He does the um, second unit directing on that. So I was out there supporting him, coordinating some of his second unit sequences and some of the main unit sequences. Um, yeah, that just came out here yesterday. I'm not sure if it did it. Has it? It came out there already. Yeah, we had it. Uh, yeah, it came out. I've seen the first two episodes. Basically, watching like a whole series of movies uh, with the length and everything. So that's yeah, that'll be exciting to sort of go through that and uh, uh, enjoy that over the sort of weekend whilst editing as well. Tim, what can I say? Thank you so much for your time. Yeah, thanks for having me on, Rob. This has been fun. I really appreciate it. No, no, I really appreciate you giving up your time and talking to me and everything. It's just it's an honor of having you on thank you again oh, it's such a pleasure thank you my friend all right everything everywhere all at once is now still in cinemas and um, i'm sure it'll be hitting vod soon as well and dvd blu-ray if we're lucky maybe vhs who knows um <laughs> but hopefully but again once it's out like uh, it's one of those films that i will encourage everybody to see and i will it's a sort of film that should be championed yeah, it's, you know, it's really, if you have an opportunity to see it in a the theater, it is it's just meant to be watched with community of people, community of strangers in a theater. It's um, a, a very unique viewing experience. And when it does come out on video on demand, or if there, you know, there's, I believe there's going to be a, a Blu-ray as well. There's a significant amount of, of um, work that didn't make it into the the edit that we've been seeing in theaters. So I'm really hoping that we can see some of the, some, some extras in, in that as well. So keep an eye out for that. I'll, I will. And I'll, as soon as it's on pre-order, we'll be go straight into the basket to receive. <laughs> yeah. Thank you again, Tim. All right. Thanks Rob. Take care. All right. Bye-bye. Bye. Thank you for listening. Please subscribe, rate and review this podcast.